Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. I'm one of the pastors here at Coast Vineyard, and um, over this last little while, I've just been mulling some things over, and uh, and that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. So um, it's an invitation, I think, from the Lord, not just to me, but for us as a people, just to reconsider um, what it is that we love about the church. Uh, I want to apologize, because I had beautiful... Um, slides that uh, we had had a template made up for me in the office and it looked amazing until we imported it this morning and something happened with the importing thing. I'm not technological at all but all I know is that some of them are slightly skew with so I apologise. They looked so good. Just imagine that was all on one line with the orange underneath. (laughs) Important things like that, you know. (laughs) Now I don't know about you but this last couple of years this has been hard, hasn't it? I'm not the only one, am I? No. And honestly, for the last 12 months, it's probably the hardest stretch I think I've ever had to navigate. And uh, and pastoring in this last two years, and particularly this last 12 months, has been really interesting and really stretching in all kinds of ways. And there have been parts of this journey over the last 12 months where I have honestly felt really heartbroken and uh, upset by some of the sins and the failures that there have been within the church, the wider church family, and within our own congregation, some of the challenges and issues that have come up among us. And at the same time, I've been really inspired by the generosity and the love and the action of the church. It's this weird combo, isn't it? It's this tension that we all carry. I've had conversations with people who have said, you know, I really... I really love God and I love Jesus. I'm just not so sure about the church. Have you had those kinds of conversations with people or have you ever wondered about that yourself? But what is it about the church, God's people, the organisation, the Sunday gathering, the wider life and mission that can be such a powerful cause and that captures our hearts so much and that's why it hurts so much when things go slightly off or majorly off that's why it hurts so much that's why it is so destabilizing because it really matters to us doesn't it and so I've been thinking do I still love the church you'll be relieved to know the answer is yes but that's not flippant I've actually had to really grapple with some things again do I love the church and if so why What is it about the church that I actually love? And that's what we're going to talk about today, why it is that I still love the church. And as we do that, can I invite you, because I've honestly, I wrote a whole bunch of stuff down, I met, look at my message, I'm like, I've got way too much to say and not enough time to say it. So I'm only going to touch on a few things, and they may be different things to what you love about the church. So as we sit and as we have this conversation together, would you allow God to bring up again the things that capture your heart, what you love about the church? Why don't we pray? Father, I want to thank you for your presence here with us this morning. You're here in a really gentle way. 
And I ask, God, that you would meet with each one of us again, that you would capture our hearts again, that you would stir us again and remind us what it is that, it, that you, are, you are creating in the church. And, and wherever those broken or hurting places are and ask for some, I pray that you would minister to them. For those of us that are new to this, Lord, would you capture our imaginations and our heart with what the church can be. And for those of us who have just like not thought about this for a little while, Lord, I pray that you would plant again great hope and great devotion and great love for your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Church has actually been a massive part of my life. I was raised going to the Anglican church, then I got saved into a small uh, Christian fellowship um, Pentecostal church, then I ended up in a Baptist youth group, then I ended up in the vineyard in my 20s. I've sort of been here for like quite a long time actually. But, um, but along the way, I've had the privilege of being able to visit large churches, small churches, home churches, orthodox churches, liturgical churches, non-liturgical churches, Pentecostal churches, all kinds of churches all around the world. You know, when you go on holiday, I don't know what you guys do, but we visit churches. Slightly geeky, eh? I know, but, but we do really love this body of people that God has woven together and called all around the world. We love what it is that the church does. However, along the way, I've also been really disappointed by the church. I've been heartbroken. I've been, honestly, we've, had, we've been on the receiving end of leaders that have, have not been all that we had hoped they could be. I've been hurt by the people that I've been in church with. If we're going to do church longer than about five minutes and be the church together, that is going to happen too. And, and there's, you know, there's this tension that we carry and it's a choice that each of us makes about how we respond to the church, the people of God. Ronald Rollheiser, who is a Catholic priest and theologian, he wrote an article in July last year and he, it was, Why Stay in the Church? And he says this, the church's history is not univocal. It's not just one thing. I recognize its sins and I openly acknowledge them, but that's far from its full reality. The church is also the church of martyrs, of saints, of infinite generosity, and of millions of women and men with big, noble hearts who are my moral exemplars. I stand in the darkness of its sins, but I also stand in the light of its grace and all of the good things it has done in history. That is the truth. For each of us, we stand within all of that. So here are a few thoughts on why I love the church, and you'll probably have things that you would want to add as well as you go. Just checking my time. Okay, All right, so first of all, first and foremost, the reason I love the church is because Jesus does. The church is described throughout Scripture as his bride. Now, I don't know about you, but if my best friend married somebody that I really didn't like, that I constantly critiqued, that I came down hard on all the time and could only ever see the negative, what do you think my relationship is going to be like with my best friend? It's a not good. Not good. Jesus is and can be our best friend, and he loves the church. This is his bride. In Ephesians 5.25, there's this quite heady uh, encouragement 
from Paul. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It cost him everything. His love for the church cost him everything. He gave his life for us. And as I am trying to follow Jesus and be a disciple of his, what he loves, I want and I choose to love myself. I want to grow into being a more wholehearted follower of Jesus. So that means I choose to love what he loves, and he loves the church. And he also reminds us that he is the one that builds this. He builds us. When he was talking to his disciples, and he was talking to Peter in particular in this moment, uh, he says this in Matthew 16, verse 18. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I actually love the way the message translation puts this because it, it captures this church that Jesus is building that is alive and vibrant and vivacious and dynamic. Does that sound good? Yeah, this is what it says. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. That is good news. And that is what Jesus is doing. He has been in the business of this for a long time now. We are following on in the footsteps of many who have walked before us and who walk alongside us all over the world. Today, millions of men and women are gathering as the church, as the people of God that he is drawing together and creating and building. We get to be part of that. So I choose to join him in loving the church because he does. Will you? Second thing is that I love about the church is it's a place for spiritual family. It's a place where strangers become whānau or family. We're told this in Ephesians 2.19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. We belong in this family. He's chosen us. He's died for us. He's come for us. And the, the, one of the most amazing and yet challenging things about being the church is that he brings this diverse group of people together. It's quite amazing when you think about it. I mean, just look around the room. We're all different ages and stages. We've all come from different parts of the world. We all love different things. And yet he's knitting us together as family. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? And really hard. Really quite challenging. The richness of our, our diversity is a gift to us, but the exact same thing that is a gift, we have to work at as he builds us together. And we want to build a common life together and in relationship with one another. And along the way, that means that we're going to get to practice patience and forgiveness. Sounds easy, huh? Nope. But that's what we have to do when we're hurt or we're let down or we're disappointed. It's all about what we choose when that happens. We choose. We have to work out what our common ground is and orient ourselves around that as a people. And our common ground is Jesus. He is our common ground. It's not our nationality or our cultural background. It's not our age. It's not our personality. It's not what rugby team we support. It's a good weekend to talk about the rugby. <laughs> Thank goodness. Oh. 
can't do that every week. Um, <clears throat> it's not about our socioeconomic reality. It's not about the parenting styles that might unite us. It might be not. It's not about our political views. It is Jesus that is our common point. He is the one that knits us together. Our common ground is him and our need for and receiving the love and forgiveness of God. It is a level playing field. We are all sinners in need of a saviour. All of us have come recognising that we need him. And out of that receiving of God's love and his forgiveness for us, we respond with love for him and for his family. That is the basis for us as a spiritual family. And I think we have been at risk of forgetting this a little bit this last year or two, if I might add a little bit of cultural critique. I think we've forgotten. It's such a simple thing and yet it's so profound. Nothing and no one will save us or sustain us through this life other than Jesus. That's who binds us together as we individually and collectively seek him and follow him and try and live that out. And I think that we have more in common than what can divide us. Genuinely do. I really do. But we have to choose to look for those things and we have to work at keeping the main thing the main thing. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We just don't want to ever lose sight of that. We want to build each other up. We want to encourage each other. We want to spur each other on. We want to call out the best that we see in each other. That is the gift that we can be to each other. And that doesn't happen in very many places. You know, one of the important things that happens within the framework of relationships that happen within church family is pastoral care. As a family, we can share all of the joys and the trials of life. We can, but that's not a given. We have to be invited into some of those spaces. And then we each get to choose, do we respond? You know, we get to connect with one another and build friendships with one another. And honestly, on a Sunday morning, that's not going to happen. Because there's too many of us and we're only here for a little while and we're mostly facing the screen. If we want to face each other face to face and actually get to know each other, then that's going to take us getting involved and participating in small groups and teams, inviting people into our homes, going and grabbing a coffee, Getting together for a play date with the kids and their, you know, mums and dads and things after school. It's that sort of activity that's going to knit us together. And then out of those relationships, we can care for one another. Because we'll know each other. So when the wheels come off or things go slightly pear-shaped, we have someone we can pick up the phone and talk to. We have people that we can ask to pray for us. We can... We can make meals for one another. We can look after each other's children. We can drive each other, you know to appointments if we need. We've done all of those things, but they are us looking out for each other as part of being a spiritual family. It's a powerful thing, and those relationships don't just happen. Just because we're in the church, because we are God's people, it's not just a natural byproduct that those kinds of relationships will develop. We have to choose them. We have to give them our time and our energy. And we have to own our part in them. 
adult, healthy relationships have a mutuality to them. There's a giving and a receiving. If, if we're coming along and we're expecting it all to be about us, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, you're probably going to be disappointed because at some point that has to change as we mature, as we grow up. It's this giving and receiving that needs to happen and that's how we can look after each other. Alongside uh, the pastor's team, which is Matt and I, Stanley, Jake and Robin, we also have a group of people that have come together in this last um, year, I suppose it is, that have been led by Fiona Brown. And they've been helping us uh, with some of those more crisis moments or long-term pastoral issues that, you know, we need to add a bit of extra support to. Now, Fiona has actually uh, finished that just a little while ago. It was while we were still away. So we wanted to just take a moment... I can see you. Um, just to say thank you so much, Fiona. Just I, I know that just because you're not doing this role, that doesn't mean that you're not you're going to suddenly have to stop loving us all um, and caring for us because that's that's just not who you are. You just love people so incredibly well. And uh, but we want to take a moment to say thank you to her for pulling that team together, for working with us. Matt has a wee gift that you can, yep, you can run back and give her. I just thought I'd save you the embarrassment of coming up the front. But let's at least applaud her and say thank you so much. So there's a wee voucher in there that she's going to be able to redeem and have fun with. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Slight bias going on over there, but it's true. So we're in the process of finding some new people to work with us and to coordinate that team and to grow that team. And if that is something that you have in your heart, if you would like to make more of a concerted effort to be part of a pastoral care team that help us to look after the increasingly complex and diverse needs within our church, please talk to us. And if you have something going on that you would want um, pastoral care for, please come and talk to one of us. Uh, on the pastor's team, and we will let you know once we've got that, um, those coordinators in place. But I do want to remind us all that we are all part of, of the pastoral care team, all of us. Teresa of Avila, who was, or probably it's Avila, Teres of Avila, because she was Spanish, and she was a Carmelite nun in the 16th century. I'd love, actually I should get Caitlin onto this because she speaks Spanish, but anyway. Um, she said this, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all of the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. We are all in the business, we are all called to care for one another. So let's major on that. Let's get good at that. I love, I mean, I'm sitting there listening to Caitlin talking about what we're doing and, and reaching out to those in our community with, I have to admit, a wee tear in my eye. I was like, oh dear, am I going to lose it when I'm preaching? But so far, so good. But it's not just about reaching out beyond the church, although that is, that is super important. That is something we're going to continue to do. But we are also wanting making sure that we look after those within the church as well. Finally, the church is a place for transformation and growth. It is the only place where lost people become disciples. It is. 
This can be a place where we can have our lives transformed and renewed, where we can work out alongside the other people that we're doing life with how to follow Jesus more, how to become more like him. We're in the process of discovery and growth. And it's the place where we can see the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives. It is such a delight when we hear the stories of what God is doing. Just recently, got to talk to some different people about, you know, just as you do, just doing life. But, you know, one young woman I met, who she had lost her mum probably about 10 years ago when she was just about, I think, 11 or 12, I think she was. And yet she was telling me all of the stories of God's faithfulness and care and love of her. That's what God does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I was talking to our daughter when we were over in London with her recently. And um, you know how with your kids you can almost not see some of what God's doing because it's so incremental and so gradual and you're, you're with them all the time and you sort of miss it a little bit or in yourself. And yet because they are in London, we don't get to see them very often I was just watching her and seeing how she was engaging with us, but with loads of other people as well. And just in the end, I said to her, you know, you were way more patient. So nice to be on the receiving end of when I was getting lost in the underground. Um, you know, just, just seeing this change in her that she hadn't even recognized, but that because I haven't been with her for the last couple of years, I've been able to just see, man, you're really, you're way more patient with people. She would go out of her way to just compliment people and encourage people, like random people on the subway, on the tube, or on the street, you know, like people she didn't know as well as the people she did. And she was just kind. I'm like, man, have you always been like that? Or is this like more? I think it's more. I think it's that gradual work of the Holy Spirit in her. Another person that I met um, while we were over there, a young woman in her 30s, and she was just in the process of being prayed out of the church that we were visiting, and um, she was going to be leading a team that were going to plant a church in Cornwall, and when I happened to be there for the service where she was sharing some of the story of what God has been doing in her life for the last eight years, preparing her for this, the changes that he has brought about in her through being a part of the church that she was in, that she could see were getting her ready to be able to go and plant this church in Cornwall. You know, recently, just thinking about, you know, some stories that we know of people where their marriages were really stretched thin and not doing well, and yet because they are persevering at working that through, God is in the midst of it and he's knitting them back together again. This is the stuff that God does and he does it within the context and the framework of being family together. And we get to support and encourage those things in each other. The journey of becoming like Jesus is both captivating and challenging in equal parts, I reckon. It's really exciting. It captures our hearts. It's like, woohoo, let's do this thing. And then you hit a road bump and it's just hard. Some of it's tough. This thing of becoming is really important for us to think about because each of us are in the process of becoming more like Jesus, aren't we? As the Holy Spirit renews and transforms us, it's gradual. In Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I won't read the whole thing, but mostly I want to just draw your attention to this, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices and by not conforming any longer to the pattern of the world, we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The Holy Spirit, as we surrender ourselves to God, 
will work within us to renew us, to renew our minds, to transform us, but it is not an overnight, instantaneous thing. Man, I don't know about you, but I, there are parts of my life I wish it was like that, but it's just not. We are in the process of becoming more wholehearted disciples who increasingly live in alignment with what we believe. And it's important that we remember that because it helps us to have realistic expectations of ourselves and of each other. It helps us to extend grace to one another because one of the most potentially destructive things that there can be in relationships is when unrealistic expectations aren't met. And what that tends to lead to is a breakdown in relationship, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, and unfortunately that happens in the church as well as everywhere else because we have unrealistic expectations of people. Now, in our welcome lunches, we talk about how, amongst other things, the church, us, uh, we function as a hospital and a school, amongst other things. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but hospitals are full of sick people, not healthy ones. Schools' job is to help people to learn what they don't already know so that they can begin to put those things into action. So by implication, that means that each of us is in need of healing. We're in need of learning new ways of knowing God and seeing him, of seeing ourselves, of seeing the world and finding how we are to be in it. And that journey of being healed, of learning, takes time. And it takes mistakes and repetition and perseverance and patience and lots of grace extended to one another as we do that, because we do it together. Tonight, we've got the well at the hub at half past seven, and that's an opportunity where we are just trying to create a space where we can collectively learn from one another as we learn to pray for each other, as we worship together. You know, it's a space, if you're wanting to learn, how do I hear from God? How do I pray for somebody? How do I minister, minister to someone? This is a really great place to go as well as if you are feeling a bit stuck in terms of where you're at with God, whatever it might be, or a health thing, or whatever, you can go and receive prayer. This is part of us growing together. It's part of us being spiritual family together. And as we do those kinds of things, we get to live into the words of Hebrews 10.24. Let us consider that we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We can spur one another on. I mean, Kiwis, we tend to be a little bit laid back with our praise. We don't want anyone to get a big head. They're probably not at risk at that around here. Most of us are really aware of the things we're not very good at, hey? I don't know about for you, but honestly, the, that inner critic voice can get really loud sometimes. And I can't always see what other people can see or what God is trying to help me to see other than when it's reflected back to me by the people I do life with who love me. And that's the reality is that we help disciple each other. Next weekend, I am so overjoyed that you are going to get to hear from one of my spiritual heroes, um, who is Eleanor Mumford. She's coming to speak at Coast. We first met John and Eleanor uh, 30 years ago. Um, when we were living in the UK, and John and Ellie then were the national directors for the Vineyard in the UK. They are now the global coordinators for the Vineyard family internationally, and they're coming out to speak at our conference that's going to be in Christchurch next month, 
or no, later this month, it's this month. Um, but we snaffled Ellie for us on a Sunday morning. You are going to love her. She sounds like the Queen, has always sounded like the Queen. That part I didn't really care about trying to be, but everything else about this woman, I was so inspired by the example that she has set for me. Like in my 20s, I would listen to her, I would watch how she was with people, I would watch how she was with her husband, with her kids, as a leader, as a preacher, and I'd be like, oh my gosh. She sets such an amazing example of faithfulness and of love and of passion for God and his people, and that hasn't changed all these years later. She, I, we had the privilege of getting to know them a little bit and doing some different things, and she believed in me. She saw things in me that I couldn't see for myself and called those things out and encouraged me to step out and take risks and have a go and pursue the things that I thought God was actually calling me to and to say yes even when it felt risky. She's a part of my yes to say yes to planting this church, encouraging me to step into the things of God. That is what we get to do for each other. We get to be versions of Eleanor for each other. Uh, Guys, you don't probably want to be exactly like her, but you know what I mean? It's like we we get to set examples. We get to call out life in each other. The church at our best is a wonderful thing to behold, isn't it? Hopefully we've experienced some of that. But we also want to be honest and acknowledge the fact that it can be a little bit messy, sometimes a lot messy, because it has broken in process becoming people in it. But honestly, if if I'm really completely honest, if the church was only for those who were fully formed and well put together, I would never have been allowed in the doors and I wouldn't be allowed to stay. Anybody else? You don't have to put your hand up. I'm just, you know, here. Um, But seriously, if we were expecting perfection, this was not the place to come. Thank goodness, because it means I can be here, and so can you. Here's just one very short note. Oh, I need to wrap up. There's a lot of talk about deconstruction at the moment. Um, And and a lot of people are in the process of deconstructing their faith and what they think about church. And, and, uh, you know, there have been situations that have given them good, good cause to do that. But I don't think we need to despair about that. Uh, I remember when we were in our 30s, the postmodern kind of way of thinking was invading the church, and we ourselves went through a whole really long process of deconstruction. I have to tell you, the really easy part is deconstruction. Critique is easy. If you want to know what's wrong with the church, just come and ask me. I can tell you. I've got a list. It's one of the perks of the job is you get to see all the things that aren't going so well uh, as well as the things that are still in process in people that are messy and what that creates. However, if we want to do deconstruction well, and this, if this is you, then please be encouraged by this, but have the end in mind. If you don't want to be left with this tangled mess at your feet at the end of deconstructing everything that you believed, then you need to do it with the sense of what, do I, what am I aiming for, and I have to do the mahi, the hard work of reconstructing, of taking the chicken, leaving the bones, taking the chicken, taking the good, because there is good and rebuilding and recreating something with the Holy Spirit that is more robust, more rich, more wonderful than it was before. We can do that. So don't be afraid of this deconstruction thing, but do it with mind of having something that we build at the end. 
I think there are seeds there that we, you know, for hope for the future. Just to finish, when Jesus said to his disciples in John 6, he, he was asking if, if they wanted to leave him because things were really hard. And Peter responded to him by saying, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. In essence, Peter is saying, Jesus, half the time we don't know what it is that you're saying, and the time when we do know what you're saying, we don't always like it. But we know that we're better off not getting it with you than going any other place. Dark moments notwithstanding, you are all we've got. Church is the place where I can hear and share and learn to live into those words. Ronald Rollheiser again says this, there is no pure church anywhere for us to join, just as there is no pure country anywhere for us in which to live. This church, for all of its checkered history and compromised presence, is all we have. We need to own its faults since they are our faults. Its history is our history. It's sin, our sin, and it's family, our family, and it's the only lasting family that we've got. And I would add, on our watch during our time, let's do all that we can to allow God's free reign in our lives as we surrender to him so that when people see us, when they experience us, they experience the love and the goodness of Jesus so that they can experience what we have been given. That means that we need to sign up, show up, participate, and cultivate that kind of being church together. You know, I was talking to friends, we had dinner with friends on Friday night, and I think sometimes we forget who it is that we are and what it is and who it is that we carry and how desperately needed that is in the world. You know, they were just describing how their, um, actually I'll just get the worship team up, how their son, <coughs> his friend a year ago committed suicide the day before his 15th birthday and the impact that has had on their son and his friends. I, you know, it's like I can't even imagine for that young guy as well as for his family how desperate they needed hope and still do for his family as they're rebuilding their lives. And for her, she's, uh, she's now, this friend of ours has just started a new job working in the, uh, the area of um, domestic violence, which has been on the rise, unfortunately. The world needs the hope that we carry. We are his hands and his feet and his body. We carry that. That's who we are. We carry him, we follow him out into the world. But I wonder if today, you know, it was interesting during worship, I just feel like God's invitation is that he's here, but in a really gentle way. For those of you that maybe have been hurt badly or let down or disappointed in the past, I want to say sorry. On behalf of the church, I want to say sorry. because you deserve better. God's heart's broken over the fact that we haven't all received that. And that leaves some wounds on us that keeps us back, holds us back, keeps us on the edge, and that's not where he wants you to be. He wants you to be in the thick of the whanau, in the thick of family. 
for those that might be here that are kind of a bit stuck or in the midst of that deconstruction process, I feel like he wants to renew your hope that there's a way through this without losing your faith. And I think for some of us, we just need to be reminded again that this is who we are. We are someone precious. Jesus loves his church so much. It's cost him everything, and he willingly gave himself up for us. So why don't we stand? Let's pray for each other, because that's what friends and family do. So if any of this has kind of landed and struck a chord with you, your heart might be racing, or your tummy might be churning, or you might feel a bit tearful, or you might not feel any of those things, but you just know, actually, this, this is me. I just want prayer from my family today. Why don't you come on up? people that would love to come alongside you and pray for you because that's what family does and I want to invite all of us to choose can we say that we love the church and if we can't then maybe that's a good time to get someone to pray So we've got a couple of people up front. Let's pray for them. If you still want to come, just come while I just finish up. I'll pray and then we can minister to people. If you're sitting back there and you're feeling a little nervous or a little reluctant, then come and grab me or Matt or someone afterwards. Did you want to do something? Oh, come up and pray? Sure. Can we have some people that would come up and pray for people as well? Thank you. just want to reinforce Jacinda's message today. Uh, many of you know I was a professional Christian for a long period of time, 12 years a senior pastor of a church. And um, I want to stand with Jacinda and I choose to love the gathering of God's people, the church. I think over this period of time, there's been a lot of criticism come at the church. And I want to call us actually to choose to speak life over this body again. You know how you kill a pastor, it's not through stabbing him in the front or the back, it's through a thousand criticisms. That's how you kill a church. So church, I'm actually asking all of us to stand in that today and to actually choose to be people who speak life over the bride of Christ again. She's not perfect. But I'm here, I'm a part of this conversation because I believe what God is doing in and through His church is mighty and precious. So church, I actually am going to ask you to raise a hand. Who here with me today is going to choose to speak life? And that means that sometimes in Aotearoa, there's this critical spirit that exists. I'm actually going to choose to ignore that spirit of criticism. I'm actually going to choose to speak life over Matt and Jacinda. Thank you, guys. You are awesome leaders. You are awesome leaders. We love you so much. You are awesome leaders. 
I choose to speak life over you both. I choose to appreciate being part of this, Father. If you're here today, you want to stand with me and say, I'm going to choose to speak life over God's church. Would you just raise your hands? Father, we stand together and choose again. Not the easy route of criticism. Not the social media route of pulling things down. We choose the kingdom route of speaking life. We choose to speak life over that which you gave your life for. Your body, us, the gathered saints, the church. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be a part of your church. Well, thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day. Be blessed.